Hi, and welcome to the East Cobb Presbyterian Church Student Ministry Podcast, where all lessons from your junior high leaders, youth staff members, and discipleship group leaders are available. We pray that this podcast will bless you and grow you in your knowledge and love of Jesus. Keep listening for this week's message. guys so as you know I'm Emily um so I'm just gonna pray I guess to like open this up hang on my bible's being weird okay all right I'm just gonna back just bow your head to me and I'll open this up um dear lord um I want to thank you for tonight and I just want to pray that you would speak through me because these are your words not mine and that um, I'd be able to um, get the point across and that you won't be able to take something from this tonight. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so I'm continuing the series that Grace started last week where um, we're going to be living for God rather than um, our, like the things of this world and the idols of this world. Um, so, hang on. Okay. So there are going to be two parts this lesson, but like the overall part of it is going to be determining who the one true God is, which is God, but it'll be pointing out either God or Baal. Um, And it'll also show us how to like, we should focus on God more um, rather than the idols because compared to God, they are powerless. Um, So start us off, I'm going to say a time where I was at Disney World, and I met a princess, and I was just beyond excited because I love Disney, and the princesses make me so happy because I want to be like them. And I get super excited when, because they're like famous people to me, you know, the princesses. When I was little, I was convinced like the Disney princesses there were the real ones, and that the others, one of them was real, and then the others were all like posers. But I was like, all right, that one's the real Cinderella, and that one over there's not. So. I was just super excited whenever I got to meet them. Um, do any of you guys have any interesting stories or any times where you've met someone famous or someone you're super excited to meet? Anyone want to? Yes, Meredith? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Anyone else? No? Okay. Um, well, we're going to see in um, this story, um, Obadiah gets to meet Elijah, and he's this cool prophet. He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, freaks out. Um, so I'm going to read First Kings 18, 1 through 15. Or does anybody want to help me with that? If anyone has their Bibles, does anyone have a Bible with them by any chance? Or a phone with a Bible? Okay. First Kings eighteen one through fifteen. Okay. Yes, because we need to hear it. Let's 
Yep, here we go. First Kings eighteen one through fifteen. Fifteen. One through fifteen. saw in that story, um, Obadiah um, ran into Elijah, and um, he kind of like, we also saw that um, Obadiah also is like a more um, devout follower of God, because he um, was hiding like all those prophets, and when then Elijah was like, hey, tell Ahab I'm here, Obadiah was like, what? He's going to kill me if I do that. Um, because Ahab clearly cared more about the livestock. Like it said, he um, was more concerned about finding the food for the livestock and making sure they didn't die off. Because they're in the middle of a drought, by the way. I don't know if it said it in here. But yeah, they're in the middle of a drought. So like, people are starving. So Obadiah is like focused on helping the people while Ahab's not. So we see that. Um, but then when Elijah was like, tell Ahab, um, Obadiah was like, that's just not who I am. Um, but then in, verses, um, in verse 15, he says, um, he says, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So that was just kind of comforting. Elijah said that to Obadiah, and he was, it was kind of comforting to Obadiah. He was like, okay, God's got this under control, because Elijah was sent by God. He was like, he knows what he's doing. So, um, what is um, Obadiah's dilemma here? What would you guys say the issue was? Anyone? 
Okay. Um, well, basically, so Obadiah is like, says that he wasn't sure if Elijah's intentions were true. Like, he had to make sure. But then, because, um, you know, then he was scared he was going to be killed. Obviously, that's where the dilemma was. He didn't want to die. So, and the, like, Elijah's intentions were true. But then, like, we saw that they were because the God, God had sent him. Um, the second question is, um, where are Ahab's priorities placed in contrast to Obadiah's? Anybody want to answer that? What was Ahab focused on? Jacob. Himself. Yes. Yes. He also was focused on not saving the people and, like, the livestock. Yeah, you're right, because that would have been for him. Um, and then Obadiah, obviously, was focused on saving the people because he was hiding, like, a hundred prophets, it said, um, from Ahab, so they wouldn't die. And he was taking the little food that the people had, and Obadiah was giving it to those prophets so that they wouldn't starve to death. Um, so what does that say about each of these characters' hearts? Um, clearly, like Jacob said, Ahab is focused on himself, and Obadiah is more um, got a, like a God-centered mind. Um, so we see here that um, Ahab's priorities are misplaced, and that um, Obadiah's got, he's more focused on God, and he's got more of the Christ-like leadership skills than Ahab, obviously. Um, now I want to get a show of hands. Which one of them, Obadiah or Ahab, would you want to have as your leader? Raise your hand if you would want Ahab as a leader. Good. No? <laughs> Keep it down. <laughs> um, now if you want Obadiah to be your leader, raise your hand. There we go. That makes sense because who would want someone to lead them if they were just going to starve them to death and only cared about themselves? Because um, we want someone who's going to like seek the good of others and you know, not just focus on themselves. Um, yes, because we should all be more like Obadiah and just try to be more focused on Christ. Um, yes, all right. That was kind of like the just like first part of like all this. Um, and now the second part um, I'm going to move on to. Um, okay. Have any of you guys ever been called a pyromaniac? Do y'all know this? Okay, that's that's good. That's good. I had a feeling too. Not gonna lie. Um, personally, I have too. But I was like eight or nine because we were camping, and my mom and I we were making a fire, and my mom was and I was just I had a stick in it, and I was kind of waving it around like because the smoke was making little shapes and I was trying to be cool and like write things in the air, like pretending it was a wand or something. Um, it didn't work, but my mom called me that because she was like, oh, I stop playing with fire. Um, but yeah, anyways, so we see in this like next part of the story that fire is a pretty important role. So that's interesting, Abby, I'm not surprised, but <laughs> very interesting. Okay, so now this next, nah, next section is a little bit longer. So I'm just going to kind of sum it up um, I'll read some of it, but basically, so the next section is going to be, um, verses 16 through 46, um, but this is continuing in the drought, um, and now Elijah's more, 
he challenges the pro Baal's prophet, uh, nah, yes, the prophets of Baal, um, to go to um, Mount Carmel and to test to see which god could light a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, it should be noted, though, that Jordan actually pointed this out, and that's actually like super duper cool. I think it's super interesting that um, Mount Carmel is it's um, the most like agriculturally um, rich and like watered and green. It's very luscious. It's the most that in all of Israel, um, and so the whole point to this test, though. Um, I mean, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. That doesn't really matter right now, but we'll get, I'll get to that. Oh, do you have a question? Sorry. How would you, like, light the, like, light fire? I thought he was, like, the god I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Um, well, he's the god of the storm, basically. Um, yeah, so the conscious of the sea, which god could light the sacrifice on fire. Um, and so Baal's prophets thought, they were like, oh, we've got this in the bag. You know, Baal... Uh, is God of storm, he could send lightning down, be like, boom. Um, and so there is, I think, 450 prophets there. Um, so like, and they all made an altar. Um, they all, yes, they made an altar, and for like an entire day, they were just doing rituals, shouting out to Baal, being like, Baal, please light our altar on fire. And then they said, um, they were like trying to manipulate Baal. They're, they were like cutting themselves, trying to like scare Baal into like doing it faster, trying to prove a point. Um, they were unsuccessful, and then Elijah made his altar, and he called upon God. He simply just prayed to him, and um, he said, "Here it says." And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized him, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Um, I forgot to mention, when Elijah made his altar, he poured water all over it to make it even harder for um, it to be caught on fire. So did that. And it says here that so God clearly set it on fire. And going back to the whole point of where of Mount Carmel and like all its attributes and characters and, stuff and fun stuff, um, it would have made it easier for like Baal to, you know, set or like cure from the, cure them of the drought because it was supposed to be the most luscious and watery air areas in all of Israel, um, and so it would make sense, you know, for Baal to finally like pull through. It's just kind of an easy way out. But God used that and proved him wrong, and he was able to prove Elijah right and that God is true, and that he is even more powerful than any idols that we could worship. Um, yes, so what is important to note is that with every advantage that Baalism was given, only served to increase the glory of God, like how the mountain proved to be to not matter, like where it was for Baal. Um, the greater the effort put forth by Baal priests and worshippers, the greater the failure. 
What we see is that the true God reigns supreme over rain and fire and everything else in order to bring glory to himself. Right, okay. So, it says in here um, that, so it says that Ahab thinks Elijah is the trouble of Israel. Why do we think that? Why do you guys think Ahab thinks he's the trouble of Israel? Or why he causes problems? Because Ahab didn't want Elijah to challenge Baal's prophets. He was like, that's unnecessary. Anybody? Okay. Um, it's because he just believes he's Elijah's a threat. Because I think Ahab, deep down, knows there's always something with the truth of the word that everyone always has an issue with. We see this in modern day. He might have like an issue with that. Um, so he just doesn't want that truth to get out because he has his own beliefs. And if Elijah was right, it would prove Ahab's selfishness, selfishness to be come true. Um, but what is the normal functioning of society at this time? Um, it was not to follow God, basically. It's kind of what I just said. Um, yes, and Ahab believes Elijah is actually responsible for the drought. But that's actually not the real problem at stake. The real problem with Ahab there is that it's his sin that's causing God's judgment on him and all that wickedness, leading the drought and all that. Um, so actually we could learn a lesson from Ahab in seeing that we also um, misplace our sin on things and like focus on idols like everybody there and how they were focused on um, Baal and everything. Um, and we need to like pray to God that we would notice those sins and where we're misplacing our priorities um, and just pray that we would take, recognize them and that we would repent of them. Um, um, yeah, okay. So what, um, another question is, what challenges does Elijah present to Ahab and those Israelites following their idols? So what challenges does Elijah, Elijah have? Well, like all of Israel is against him. So the spirits that are coming, prophets of Baal, and it's just him. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, yes, he is trying to present the message of obedience and faith to God, which requires a lifestyle change that would alter their selfishness. And um, we face the same problem today, honestly. We see that like we're all focused on like our phones or social media or sports or school or whatever you're interested in or whatever you're focusing on. It's important, like, those things may not be bad, kind of like Grace was saying last week. It just matters that we just can't put those before God. And that's exactly what Ahab was doing and, like, everybody there. Um, yes. So, um, last question is, how did the prophets of Baal approach their God with, like, the altar? And what was their God's response. Anybody? What did they do? Okay. Um, so what they did is they like tried to manipulate their God. Like I said, like they were cutting themselves and they were performing rituals. While like when Elijah was doing it, he just simply prayed to God. And so like if we try to like manipulate a God, our God, like if we're like, hey, God, if you answer my prayer, I will spend an hour a day reading the Bible or something. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, so like, but if we do that, that's kind of like what the prophets of Baal were doing. And if we do that, we're not having a true relationship with God um, because it's self-seeking and we're not really doing it for him. We're doing it for us. Um, what we need to do is we need to understand that he's sovereign and, um, and that if he answers them, it's according to his will. Um, and when we understand that, it changes our relationships. Our it, we form a relationship with God. And our focus becomes more on him rather than on us. Um, yeah. Um, and so going back to where it said that God slaughtered the people, it's because he hates sin and that we should too. Um, not saying we should kill everybody who sins because we are sinful too, but um, it says that he hates idolatry and stuff. So we need to also hate that. And then when we notice if we're placing something before him, we need to hate that and repent of it. Um, so in conclusion, as we see at the end of this, um, there's no negoti negotiation between Baal and God. God clearly destroyed Baal and like their altar was not on fire. God overpowered them. Um, that thing on fire when it was soaking wet, Baal never responded. Um, he made it clear that he wanted loyalty from his people. God did. And um, like we see this in Exodus, um, and he brought them out of slavery. That's kind of what he was doing with Elijah. He just wanted him to be loyal. Kind of going back to with um, the whole Obadiah thing, he was just telling Obadiah he was um, that Obadiah needed to tell Ahab, and, A and Obadiah was to be loyal to Elijah because Elijah was sent from God. You see what I'm saying? Um, so, um, yes, God never wanted anyone following any idols. He wanted them to only follow him, and that's what uh, the point Elijah was trying to get across. Um, as we see, though, that that same problem of sin that the Israelites were facing, um, like following idols, we still have today. Um, Matthew 6.24 says that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Um, we do that, I feel like, because we don't necessarily feel like we hate God, but we clearly aren't showing that we love him if we're putting something else before him. Um, we cannot hold on to any idols in our hearts or be soft on idols that we allow to fester in our lives. We cannot live for two mutually exclusive or conflicting things. Um, we need to be careful about the idols in our lives, such as our lusts or desires, greed, acceptance, security, money, relationships, sports, hobbies, or interests, or anything we make first in our hearts instead of God. Now, as Elijah said in verse 21, there could be no wavering between two opinions. God is in charge, and if we put any idols before him, it's not good. He's not going to like that. Um, he's gonna, he is all-powerful. And he will prove more powerful than any idols. No idols will do anything for us. Only he can. All right, I'm just going to pray. Dear Lord, um, thank you for today. And I just want to pray that, um, that um, I was able to get the point across and that we would not put anything else before you and that, only, only, that we know only you are powerful and only you can... Um, Get us through anything. No idol will do anything for us. And you're supposed to say, I pray, amen.